High atop Mount Odd stands the Crystal Castle, the home of the wizard princess Peculiar. In the highest tower, she works tirelessly, casting horoscopes, throwing runes, and beseeching various entities. Her name is Teresa, and surrounded by an army of flying hound dogs, she and her strange alien cats pursue a dark quest to create the most peculiar and mayhem-filled podcast around. When the moon is clear and the forces are just right, her arcane spells may be successful in conjuring the spirit of wireless internet. So she can send to you peculiar mayhem. Before we get started with this brand new sort of podcast, I have to tell you that I am recording this under less than optimal circumstances. I am being a caregiver a long way away from home, so I have my cell phone, my tablet, and my computer, and not the best place sound-wise to record. So I apologize if it's not fantastic. It will improve over time, but for right now it's going to be a little on the rustic side, so. Hello, and welcome to the, well, it's not really the first, but the um, 1.1 of Peculiar Mayhem. This is Teresa, or you could call me Princess Peculiar. Uh, I tried to start a podcast a few years ago, and, well, I got zero zip nowhere. I did one episode, which is available. I will have the URL for it in the show notes if you'd like to go listen to it. I was rather proud of it, but I decided to come back again and do it differently. Uh, But I still listened to lots of podcasts, and I had some wonderful, wonderful podcast icons that I will shout out a little later. And a few of them started using this brand new thing called Anchor. Well, that may be the breakthrough that I needed to um, get going. So I I want to let you know about what our new format is going to be. Uh, First of all, I'm going to give you some news. News of the peculiar, the weird, the strange, the bizarre, the, well, just shit I find interesting. I will occasionally use less than polite language, but I promise it won't be too bad, and I promise it won't happen all the time. I'd like to think that everyone could enjoy my show. At any rate, we're going to do news And I have a few little features that I'm going to put into every or almost every show. Uh, One of them is dreams. I need your help. I want to do a section on dream interpretation. Write them in. Send them to me. You can get me at peculiarmayhem at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram under the same. And I have a Facebook uh, page. If you have dreams you'd like me to take a, a stab at, send them in. Uh, if I can't figure anything out about them, maybe somebody else will. Uh, you can also feel free to send me a voice file. I'm pretty easy. I also want to do a ghost story of some kind. I will look for fodder in, well, I have a bunch of my own, perhaps those that I've been told in the past. Some that I find in books or online, I don't know. But I would most like to get ones from you guys. 
So please send me in your peculiar stories. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a new one or have a, have a little one in uh, eventually, and I'm gonna call it What Would Gabriel Do? Gabriel is my teenage son. I'm going to drag him away from whatever he is doing and pester him about a topic that I'm sure he has no interest in. You know how it is. I have some phenomenal musical friends. I am going to end each episode of Peculiar Mayhem with a song from some of my buds. I will always introduce them and I will always have all the information in the show notes. Things may change, things may shift, I may have new ideas. Uh, you guys may write in and say, oh my god, I hate it when you do that. So I will try really hard to not make you hate what I do. As far as, as news or articles that I find, if you guys want to suggest something, tweet me or email me and say, hey, talk about such and such. These are not things that I'm going to, to do a ton of research on. I don't want to. I want to keep it organic and easy. The first thing that I saw in science and technology at unexplainedmysteries.com, it's unexplained-mysteries.com, I found something that I just think is absolutely hysterical. It is a YouTube inventor created a working prototype lightsaber. Children, do we see anything wrong with that on the face of it? I mean, seriously? A working prototype lightsaber. I could start listing the horrible things that could happen from that, but apparently this guy thought it was a good idea. So um, it's an actual functioning photosaber. It protosaber, excuse me. It can, the article says, literally melt your face off. Well, it was put together by the team over at the Hacksmith. I'm not familiar with them, but uh, okay. It says the article says it's not the not only the most realistic we've seen to date, but is also the most dangerous by a country mile. Now, if you're from the city and you don't know what a country mile is, a country mile is a long ass distance. Country mile can be, you know, down the road five miles to your next neighbor. I have never lived out in the country like that, but I am from a small town, so I do know sort of what I speak. Uh, okay, it is a long metal rod that acts as the blade of the weapon. It's heated up using an external power pack until it literally glows bright orange. Okay, as I said a few minutes ago, can we see anything wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. Once fully heated, it is capable of slicing and melting through a variety of objects, including the body of whoever is insane enough to actually try wielding the thing. That's a direct quote from the article, and it frightens me because, you know, somebody's going to get a hold of it and murder somebody. Yikes! There's a picture of it here. World's first proto-saber. It looks scary. Of course, the only problem with that is the actual... The, pedantic nerd here. Huh, pedantic nerd warning. Uh, the actual lightsabers were actual light and not a metal rod that glows and gets hot, so it's not really a lightsaber, but you know. Anyway, so another thing that I was really interested in. Now, speaking as someone who has done um, genetic the, the, the genetic tests with two different companies because I don't care, you know. I just, I want to know people. I've already had some really amazing things happen because of it. 
but I've discovered that, and this is also at Unexplained Mysteries, the Pentagon has warned the military not to use the DNA test kit. They've warned that companies may, quote, exploit genetic materials for questionable purposes. I can't quite figure out what those questionable purposes would be. Due to concerns over unscrupulous third parties gaining access to the genetic information. I wonder if they think someone could be blackmailed by uh, finding out that they their parents aren't who they think they are or they're related to someone, some unsavory person. The article says, exposing sensitive genetic information to outside parties poses personal and operational risks to service members. These genetic tests are largely unregulated and could expose oh, okay and could expose personal and genetic information and potentially create unintended security consequences and increased risk to the joint force and mission. Wow, that's interesting. And, and I know people that are horrified by the thought of them. I'm not. I mean, if they can use my DNA to to, to catch a criminal uh, like the, uh, what was it, the Green River Killer, by all means, do it. I'm not going to harbor uh, a criminal like that, you know. So if, if, my, if my DNA can be used to help a, a John or a Jane Doe be given a name and a proper send-off from this life, you know, I'm all for that. Like I said, I've already had some really exciting surprises happen that were sort of topsy-turvy for a few people, but are good in the end. I'm happy. I, I would I would do others in the future. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I've never had the, the genealogy bug like a lot of my family, but there are some missing pieces that I am trying to piece together these days. So that's interesting. The military doesn't like genetic tests. Now, LiveScience.com, which is also a really great site for all kinds of articles. I'm assuming, and I don't think I'm far off in thinking that the people who are listening to this podcast are probably, oh, I don't know, huge nerds. <laughs> and, well, you know, I am a huge nerd. If you're not a huge nerd, you've probably already shut me off and, and unfollowed me, so that's fine. If you are also a huge nerd and you are a fan of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by our beloved Douglas Adams, two mathematicians, this is the headline, just solved a decades-old math riddle and possibly the meaning of life. The answer is 42, but what was the question? A pair of mathematicians, quote, quoting from the article, have used a global network of 500,000 computers to solve a centuries-old math puzzle that just happens to involve that most crucial number, 42. The question, which goes back to at least 1955 and may have been pondered by Greek thinkers as early as the 3rd century AD, asks, how can you express every number between 1 and 100 as the sum of 3 cubed. I will not try to read the algebraic form here. Something equals k where k equals any whole number. I'm not a math person. I'm a nerd, but I'm not that kind of nerd. Uh, it's the Diophantine equation named for the ancient mathematician Diophantus of Alexandria, who proposed a similar set of problems about 1800 years ago. Wow. Okay, the two trickiest numbers which still had outstanding solutions by the beginning of 2019 were 33 and 42. I guess some guy knocked 33 off the list and 42 finally has an answer. The question and answer to the meaning of life is, well, really long and um, well, there'll be a link to the article in the uh, in the show notes if you want to go see it. But, you know, it looks like we have some kind of an answer to 
the question. I don't know if that's what Douglas Adams had in mind. Some of you will no doubt be familiar with the amazingly wonderful Greg and Dana Newkirk. They have the uh, Paranormal uh, Museum, Traveling Museum of the Paranormal. They are two out of the four hearts of the new series, Hellier, which I'll be talking about in a little while. Uh, and they have a website called weekendweird.com. That's W-E-E-K-I-N-W-E-I-R-D.com. So the Week in Weird. It is a fantastic site. They write great articles. They have other great writers. Uh, everything, you know, it, it all sorts of sorts of leans toward weird news and ghost hunting and strange phenomena, and it's just delightful. And I pulled one article up because I laughed so hard when I saw it. The title is written by Greg Newkirk, and the title is The Conjuring of Bigfoot, The Forgotten Case File Detailing the Time Lorraine Warren Met Sasquatch in Tennessee. Yes, it says that Lorraine Warren, of the famous Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, you can look at... Uh, Let's see, the con well, they did the Conjuring movies. Uh, they're the people who did the uh, crazy Raggedy Ann, haunted Raggedy Ann doll, and uh, Amityville Horror, and, you know. <laughs> anyway, yes, indeed, Ed and Lorraine. The article says, Famed ghost chasers Ed and Lorraine Warren, blah, 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 best known for their terrifying cases involving demonic dolls, named Annabelle and maybe assisting in the infield poltergeist case. Now, let me say right now, I am not an Ed or Lorraine fan. We'll leave it at that for now. But in their book, Ghost Hunters, published in 1989, they lay out a bunch of their most terrifying cases. And uh, according to Greg Newkirk writing in the article, tucked away between the tales of demonic terror is a very interesting case file unlike any other in the Warrens catalog. It's not scary at all, in fact it's kind of sad. Titled simply Bigfoot and covered in a scant eight pages, this Ed and Lorraine Warren story is largely forgotten, even though it's both wildly entertaining and presents some pretty groundbreaking ideals for paranormal research in the 1980s. Apparently, they went out, they were in rural Tennessee, and they headed there in order to meet with a group of, quote, frightened hill people. They had something in the woods that was after their children. Lorraine went out, and apparently she had a mental image of a large creature. Then she saw the large creature, and she know, knew that Bigfoot was telepathically speaking to her. He was lonely. He was hurt. He was away from his family. Yes, I'm really reading all this. And Lorraine sent Bigfoot telepathic messages. Of course, he did not want to kidnap their children, as they thought. Just wanted to make friends with them. This is my favorite line. Quote, Eager to help, Lorraine began to shake with anxiety as she hushed her hiking group, needing complete concentration for her communication with Bigfoot, whom she felt a maternal love for. Okay, so I won't go on with the article. It does have a sad ending, but uh, um, wow, that's one I would never have guessed. Ed and Lorraine Warren know Sasquatch, or knew Sasquatch. They're both passed from this plane of existence. Wow. So my last news article is nerdy, but not necessarily. It's, it's peculiar-ish, but it's not necessarily, you know, paranormal. <laughs> it's words. 25 words that are their own 
opposite. It is from mental floss. Yeah, stumble into the looking glass world of contronyms. Ooh, I like that. C-O-N-T-R-O-N-Y-M-S, contronyms. Sanction, which can mean give official permission or approval for or impose a penalty on. Uh, oversight can mean it's the noun form of two verbs with contrary meanings, oversee and overlook, because oversee means supervise, but overlook usually means to fail to see. Um, left can be either remaining or departed. If the gentlemen have withdrawn to the drawing room for after-dinner cigars, who's left? The gentlemen have left, and the ladies are left. <laughs> I love English. Dust. When you dust, are you applying dust or removing it? <laughs> it depends on whether you're dusting the crops or the furniture. Oh, I love this. This is wonderful. I won't go through all of them because there's 25 of them. But you should go look it up because I've always been fascinated by these, but I've never seen a list of them all together. Uh, but yes, they're seed, stone, trim, cleave, resign. Ah, I love it. I love words. So now, let's launch into a little dream interpretation. One thing that I heard in one of my favorite podcasts was the idea that people do not use modern electronics in their dreams. Uh, apparently, there is a belief somewhere that cell phones don't appear in dreams. I dream about my cell phone on a regular basis. And I looked it up a little bit. Popular Mechanics says that over survey, after surveying over 16,000 dream reports, researchers found that cell phones appeared in 2 to 3% of dreams. So they do, but I see a lot of stuff in Google about are we dreaming about smartphones? Are we dreaming about our handheld electronics? I have a tremendous amount of anxiety nightmares. They are not necessarily the, ooh, the monster's going to come eat me nightmares. I don't have very many of those. Mine are long and drawn out, and I'm constantly unable to do what I need to do to get where I need to go. You know, these are the, the variants on the traditional, it's the end of the year, it's finals, and you've not been to a single class kind of thing, which seems to be, you know... <laughs> seems to be my favorite. My father apparently suffered from a lifetime of anxiety nightmares, so I'm thinking it's probably brain and genetic related. Uh, it's not much fun, trust me. <laughs> anyway, one of the things that used to happen in my dreams is I would need to call someone, and I wouldn't be able to. I would start dial the phone, and I could never get the number right. So in the old style phones, I was I would dial you know, two or three numbers, and it would be wrong, so I'd have to hang up and start all over again. And it would go on and on, and I wouldn't ever be able to make the call because I couldn't ever dial an entire number. Oh, that was frustrating. As the years have gone by, and I use smartphone now, it's similar. But since you can edit a number easily, or numbers are programmed in, my dreams tend to be uh, that I can't find my contact list in my phone, you know, and I'll, I'm going through all the apps looking for contacts. I'm searching through my phone, looking and looking. I can't find the contacts, and I know they've got to be there, and I can't find the phone app. You know, I can't pull up a, a, a dial to, you know, a keypad to punch the number into and, you know, various things like that, but it's very clearly my cell phone, and it's super stressful, <laughs> and apparently I'm one of the 
two to Let's see. Oh, here and here's another one uh, from therichest.com. It says a small number of people do dream about phones. The study revealed that 3.5% of women see cell phones in their dreams, while 2.6% of men do. Hmm. Oh, this is interesting. A common dream for persons who do see them is one in which a call is received from a loved one who's passed away. I've never had that. That's interesting. No, mine are always anxiety-related. Always, I can't do what I need to do with them frustrating. Anyway, I would like to hear from you. Tell me, do you use a cell phone? Do you have a cell phone in your dreams? Do you have a tablet? Um, I've never used, I don't remember ever using a computer. When I'm in a classroom, uh, of course, I'm old school. I went to school before computers. So, you know, whenever I'm in a classroom in my dreams, it's always a notebook, pen, and textbook. But what about you? Do you dream about your cell phone? Do you use your cell phone in a dream? Uh, have you ever? I, that's fascinating to me. Dream interpretation is not something that I am an expert at in any way, shape, or form. It's just fun. I enjoy thinking about it. If I can make an off-the-top-of-my-head determination, I will. I may do some research on it. I may just say, okay, this dream is really weird. What do you guys think? I already have a pretty good idea what my anxiety nightmares are trying to tell me. <laughs> but uh, uh, but if you want to chime in on that, feel free. I would love it. I believe that our dreams, while some dreams are definitely just an information dump, just where our brain is trying to process what's happened to us and it adds imagery to it and we don't remember it very well, so it seems very strange when we wake up. But I do believe that most of the time, and in large part, our dreams are relevant. And we can find something in them that will give us some keys to our day. I believe in dream interpretation much the same way I believe in um, divination, a.k.a. tarot, and other things. And that's something we can go into another time, because I am a tarot reader. And I will talk about that eventually. But I'm not a psychic or a diviner in the sense of I'm going to tell you, you know, uh, who you're uh, going to marry or <laughs> any of those things. I think it is a much more complex and psychological, psychology plus intuition plus common sense plus, and, and I think dreams are much, I think interpreting your dreams is much the same way. I think there'll be things in it that will help you if you give them a chance. So ghost stories. I love ghost stories. Uh, this isn't exactly a ghost story, but it is delightfully uh, paranormal. For 18 years, I had a little black cat, and that little black cat's name was Seamus. He was my soulmate. I still consider him so. I got my first and so far only tattoo of a little black cat sitting on the moon, looking away from me after I lost. Uh, and yes, you do hear tears in my eyes because I love that little scrap. Anyway, he was the best cat ever, ever, ever. Uh, never bit anybody unless, I mean, playing with me. Uh, only hissed at one human being, you know. He was just amiable and chatty. Oh my God, that cat could chat. Uh, it's just an amazing creature. He was just the best. And he was, and he was a, a favorite of everyone that came to the house. Uh, my spouse is in several bands, and one of them, uh, Seamus, decided that the bass player's neck was his place. And uh, for, you know, as many years as they were together before 
Seamus passed, uh, that's the only way that poor Jason could uh, practice was <laughs> with a cat draped around his neck. So, uh, you know, he was just loved. Everybody adored Seamus. So I have a friend. There's a member of their family that is um, terribly allergic to animals. So there are no animals in their home. And they live a good hour away from me. And one day, this friend of mine contacted me and said, okay, a really strange thing happened the other night. And I was like, oh, tell me. And they said, I stumbled over Seamus in my hallway on the way to bed. And I said, really? <laughs> and they said, yeah. They said that there, they were absolutely convinced when they were walking down the hall, there was a small black cat underneath their feet. And they stumbled trying to avoid, you know, kicking it or whatever. So this isn't the first time I've known of Seamus to bilocate. I felt Seamus jump up on the bed when I was at my mom's and he was eight hours away. That same friend had a friend visiting, and the visitor was headed down into the basement and found my friend and said, you don't have any cats, do you? <laughs> my friend was like, no, why? <laughs> and he said, um, because I almost fell down the basement stairs trying to avoid stepping on a little black cat. My friend laughed so hard and explained the nature of the little black cat to her visitor, and the visitor was amused. He knew, he knows me, and we're all weird, so it was funny, but it wasn't too far out of the norm to expect something like that. However, this was probably a year after Seamus had passed away. So not only does my little black cat bilocate, or did my little black cat bilocate, he bilocates from the other side. So yeah, that's how my life goes. <laughs> As I said at the beginning of the podcast, and several times throughout, please, 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 please send me your information, your ghost stories, your dreams, your news articles you'd like me to go over, uh, anything. Just yell at me. Tell me I'm horrible. Tell me I'm wonderful. Uh, any feedback would be absolutely lovely. You can reach me at PeculiarMayhem at gmail.com. I'm PeculiarMayhem on Twitter and on Instagram. And I have a PeculiarMayhem page on Facebook. I'll put all of these in the show notes as well as the articles that I read from. Now I want to make a couple shout-outs to some people who have been pivotal in my starting and now restarting my podcast. First of all, I have to give big kudos to Astonishing Legends. It is my favorite podcast. I love it. Their style is fantastic. Their deep dives are amazing. I've learned so much from them. And I've actually met them when we went to Kansas for an Amelia Earhart Festival. It was something else. They're great guys, and I'm very thankful to them. Please, please go check them out. I have to give big thanks to... Uh, we need to talk about ghosts. Kevin is a hoot and a half. I... Uh, also, the Ghost Story guys, who are delightful, and I love both of them. And to the people who led me to Anchor, have really given me the courage and the, and the actual support to do this. Good friends of mine who do two different podcasts. One is Ain't Nothing But a Bob Thang, which is delightful of delight. It is a podcast that goes over every single painting done by Bob Ross and critiques it by two non-artists. <laughs> they are delightful. And they also have their first podcast that they started is Sushi Jackknife, which is a little less structured than this one, which is kind of terrifying, but it is a joy. And that's Justin and Nathan. I love you guys. Thank you very much. 
they're both phenomenal guys, but they're the ones who led me to Anchor, and I'm deeply grateful for that. So check them out. Both podcasts are fantastic. Now I'm going to leave you with a wonderful song by two of the most dear people you could possibly imagine that make up a group called The Faithful Sidekicks, and they are about as nerdy as nerd folk rock can get. They're both wonderful. Eric and Jen, just amazing. And this one's a song called Achievement Unlocked. New game. Yes. Choose difficulty. Hard. You've chosen Adulting with Career. Roll out of bed. Jump in the shower. Upgrade my costume. Time to use the special power. I'm sorry, Mario. Your coffee's in another castle. No! Mamma mia! These levels are getting long, and there's no cheat code. This game is more than hard enough, but at least there's a co-op mode. Player two has entered the game. Got through the whole day without spilling on my shirt. I didn't break my diet The second helping of dessert Please don't count I played an adult today Achievement unlocked I ate my greens today Achievement unlocked I totally parked parallel Achievement unlocked I consoled a friend not feeling well Achievement unlocked the cubicle domain We must acquire the gold coins without going insane <laughs> Good luck with that! Worker drones are everywhere But we are not afraid They attack with monotony It's super effective Time for a weapon upgrade You gain plus two smartphone Take my way through an idle chat about some sort of sport I managed to put a cover sheet on my TPS report Somebody's gotta case the Mondays I played an adult today, achievement unlocked I RTFM today, achievement unlocked I stayed awake through the meeting, achievement unlocked I return your greeting Achievement Unlocked You've been given an epic quest Called assault on the endless chore But first we must prepare ourselves With loot from the grocery store Jen needs food badly Inventory is getting low, need to smash some blocks of pay Uh oh, the music's changed Time to fight the boss Form 1048 Ooh, hold down the TurboTax button! You can't hold it down, it's for quick boosts only! I played an adult today Achievement unlocked 
achievement unlocked. I climbed a wall today, achievement unlocked. I broke an arm today, achievement unlocked. We could reset And start all over today Or at least reload And get another play I say break before the boss level I played an adult today Achievement unlocked I didn't get in my own way Achievement unlocked I wrote a song today Achievement unlocked I made a new friend today Epic, awesome achievement unlocked